0: Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
1: When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning.
2: Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Antibia.
3: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on v the Sports Betting Network. Okay,
4: hey, Sharp Money, Patrick Maher, Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson, kind of picking up the pieces from the weekend. We have a starter in Houston. As far as the NFL is concerned, we'll get to that. We were just kind of noodling during the break and going back and forth. This is what we do, what you do with your friends as well when talking college football and the NFL. So let's do this. Uh, Two teams that played in week zero, La Tech and then San Jose State. Dustin, you were kind of peeking ahead. Again, you've got Oregon State, San Jose State coming up Sunday. So a game in hand for San Jose State where they went to the Coliseum. And you were thinking, now we can walk through this together, but you were thinking, what about La Tech and San Jose State?
0: All right, so first San Jose State. The, the, both teams obviously played Week Zero, and they're going to face opponents who did not play this past week. So, trying to find an angle on that that makes some sense with San Jose State, it, the, the angle is a little bit tougher to to talk through. Oregon State of the best defense in the Pac-12, they're awesome. I get that, but we did see some quarterbacks in new in new teams over the weekend struggle to get going with their new with their new program. So, DJ Uangule, that's as close as I'm going to get to saying it right. With a new system in Oregon State, taking on a San Jose State team that moved the ball up and down against USC, which was superior talent. Uh, to San Jose State so I'm just curious like maybe the 16 and a half is too much for for a San Jose State squad that has a really good offense they have a good quarterback they have a good run game like they had a they have a lot of guys returning from last year and I know Oregon State's defense is great but I still have questions about the offense because we've seen many times throughout his career at Clemson DJ is just a hesitant quarterback to make big plays
5: I THINK JONATHAN SMITH WILL DO A GREAT JOB OF PUTTING Uyunglele IN SITUATIONS THAT ARE BENEFICIAL TO HIS SKILL SET AND STRENGTH. I think this team's running game is tremendous. I think Fenwick's back for them. Uh, I, I like what they have on this, side, on this side of the ball offensively. You guys mentioned San Jose State, or excuse me, Dustin mentioned San Jose State, but they scored 21 points, 14 in the first half. They got they were fortunate. I think they picked up a third and 22 on on the drive where they scored their first touchdown. So there were some things that broke correctly for them in terms of scoring 28 points. That the final seven came as a backdoor score. Um, I I, won't, I don't think it's going to be as easy against Oregon State. I think the way the the Beavers play. I think they're going to potentially physically overwhelm this team. And I, I don't know if Oregon state will give up as many yards the way they did to the Spartan. The Trojans
4: did to the Spartans. Yeah. We're showing 17. Mostly the market shows 16 and a half. It did hit at draft Kings, Oregon state at San Jose state. It did hit, 17 yesterday, back down to 16 and a half, something to take note of. Cordero's legit. He's a vet through three touchdowns against USC. So I understand it. Oregon State's more balanced than USC. Just the high end offensively for USC, obviously on another level. And then La Tech was the other one, big guy. Well, La Tech's crazy.
0: This one opened 13 and a half. It's up to 20 and a hook. And I understand I backed La Tech in the first half. It got demolished. And that offense was horrific in the first half. Uh, Bachmeyer really, it took him a long time to find a rhythm. They had a few moments where they were able to make some plays. But I think this line is obviously reflecting the fact that people think that's what's going to happen in week one for them. And I just think there is a chance out there. I haven't bet it yet. I'm not saying this is my bet, but I'm working through it here that there's a chance Louisiana Tech, with that game under their belt, now has something to work on all week leading up to this SMU game. And 20 and a half is a lot of points. If the talent on Louisiana Tech can figure it out in this one week and and work things out, they should be able to cover that. That's kind of what I'm thinking.
5: Do you, do you guys get involved in a ton of games in the week zero slash week one uh, scenarios? Or is it maybe sometimes you find a game that you just absolutely love? Um, what's kind of where you your take on where you guys come down in week one, Patrick? I just
4: generally bet. That's my answer. If there's a game <laughs> on the board that feels right, I mean, there's, I'm gener- generally going to play it. I am I have some sharp people on the network and pretend if it's a nationally televised game, they'll lay off of it. No, 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 I'm still betting it. I'm just going to go low-key and bet a little bit or find a prop yeah. or find a first half, a second half, but I'm going to bet. So to answer your question, I'm going to bet, by the way, that 19 and a half, is up to 20 and a half we're showing smu laying it with la tech in town a big total 65 and a half dustin
0: yeah uh for to answer amal's question week zero i've had good week zeros i've had bad week zeros this was a not great week zero wasn't awful but it definitely wasn't good week i actually think that my biggest edges usually come in week one and week two when there's a lot of programs playing out of conference i've I don't know why. I feel like that's when I, I have a good vibe on who's up and who's down and, and who's mispriced. As the year goes on, I actually get worse, Like, which is a weird thing to say, but as we know more, I actually get worse. When, when there's a lot of unknown, that's when I tend to do the best.
5: What's your answer, Ramal? For me, it really depends on the teams and my familiarity with them. For example, I like this game that Dustin just mentioned with Florida. Excuse me, with Louisiana Tech, who just played Florida International, taking on SMU. Love the way Bachmeyer appeared, thirty-four for forty-four for over three hundred yards. You have a quarterback there in SMU. You've got to change a quarterback now, so you got to see what they're able to do offensively. I think they'll be a solid team. I like where they are. R- Lashley's done a great job, but uh, to me, I, I think that. It, it comes down to certain matchups. Like for example, I like Florida State a lot against LSU. It's not the easiest game on the board, but that's the game that I would probably look at the strongest. Uh, I like Rutgers against um, Northwestern in week one. I think this Northwestern team, when we talked about them a couple of weeks ago, Patrick, they are going to be god-awful. There's just no other way to put it. They're, they are yeah. going to be a terrible team. I think you try to take advantage of those situations. But for the most part... I think unless you've got a proven commodity, I think you take a wait and see approach. Like I saw the Buckeyes total this week is 60 something against Indiana. I'm like, I don't see Indiana scoring 20 points and I'm not convinced that the Buckeyes offense is just going to go out and put up 40 points. I'm not sure what Kyle McCord and Devin Brown are at the quarterback position.
4: We have we've got our buddy Jensen Lewis, Sirius XM, Major League Baseball Network Radio, coming up in about 24 minutes. However, he can talk football as well. We've got Chris Doring, SEC network analyst, played at Florida, of course. Uh, Robert Turbin is going to join, he breaks down college football for CBS. So, why don't we transition now into some NFL talk? And that is, we finally have all 32 starters in the NFL at quarterback CJ Stroud. Uh, Mr. Shaw officially named a starter week one a- against the Baltimore Ravens. Um, the Texans were the last team to announce. You got Baker in there in Tampa. So now officially CJ Stroud, the number two overall pick. Wait, Straub went two. Am I crazy? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went two. Um, and then Will Anderson goes three as the Cardinals. Okay. Yeah. I just got confused. Anthony Richardson also named the starter. So you have your first three quarterbacks off the board with Bryce Young starting Carolina. Carolina. That's going to be interesting because the offensive line and really the only target that is known is Adam Thielen for Bryce Young. It's going to be a long year. Their total set at seven and a half. I mentioned Richardson. It's going to be amazing and disastrous at the same time this year. Entertaining. However, there could be some ugly spells for Richardson with Indy. That number set at six and a half. But it brings us back to Stroud. This is a team in the Texans 7-26-1 over the last two years. Their win total set at 6 and a half. Uh, But C.J. Stroud, officially the former Buckeye, going to be starting here for the Texans, Amal.
5: I think this is the right move because, number one, you want to see what C.J. Stroud is as a starting quarterback in the National Football League. Let him get some opportunities and see where you go with him long term. And I don't know if you guys are in the same mindset, but Davis Mills, I think we know what he is. He's probably going to be a backup in this league, not a starter. So once you've established that with a player on your team already, I think you're better served kind of moving forward with the guy that you draft and expect to be the franchise guy.
4: Anything on Stroud? Anything on the rookies there, big guy? Well, maybe an impromptu like, love, loathe
0: here. I have the second quarterback taken of every draft, and I think maybe we can go over how well that second quarterback does. Let's do that. When I tell you, it is a fascinating list. Zach Wilson? Over over the last few years of some of these names. Hold on.
4: Well, Let's do that. We'll go second quarterback off the board in the next segment, a little impromptu like, love, loathe. I love it, great job big guy. Also on Friday after we signed off, a trade was made in the NFL. The white flag finally waved by Shanahan and Lynch. I'm sure that was a comfortable conversation when they decided to draft uh, Trey Lance. He has been traded to the Cowboys for a fourth rounder. How they got a fourth rounder in return is fascinating to me. Uh, However, again, Sam Darnold's gonna be the backup there, Brock Purdy. Kyle Shanahan, a couple things are very obvious. One, it's obvious that he's mercurial as far as his temperament. You see that on the sideline. But also, he has a hard time making up his mind. He likes to puppeteer the quarterback position. But it was never going to work with Lance, an FCS kid who, I don't know, had maybe 400 attempts from high school to where he sits right now. Uh, He was the starter last year, remember, weeks one and two. So Shanahan believed in him enough last year to make him a starter. Uh, But then there's so much going on with San Francisco. The roster is loaded them all. But you even heard the reports last year. If Garoppolo was healthy enough in the postseason, Shanahan was like, nah, we're going to go fish for Philip Rivers and bring him back because they were bitter about Garoppolo and the way he handled the situation. So what I'm saying is like Lance may be a bust. And it looks like he is trending that way. But Shanahan is also tough to figure out when it comes to this position as well.
5: Yeah, you're absolutely right. I think there's a certain amount of arrogance with him and Mike Shanahan as well that they think their running game is so elite. And they do have an elite running game that they can just plug in anyone in a quarterback and they'll be effective. We saw with Brock Purdy last year down the stretch into the playoffs until the injury in Philadelphia. Uh, But the question that you asked, Patrick, and I was wondering the same thing when I saw this trade. How the hell did they bamboozle the Cowboys for a fourth round pick for Trey Lance
4: fascinating big guy and what does it mean obviously now because it's Dallas and because it's Jarrah the conversation is going to continue about Dak Prescott who I think is pretty much split 50-50 amongst Cowboy fans did they want to pay him or not they paid Dak and now here comes Trey Lance
0: yeah you know I saw some people on Twitter saying that they could offer Trey Lance his fifth year option eventually and then there's a way to get out of Dak's contract which is like a wild thing to be saying based on what you've seen from Trey Lance. I thought the trade was weird because to me it looks like Dallas has plenty of wide receiver depth this season. I don't think they need him to line up there because that's all he is in the NFL at best.
4: But what what were Lynch and Shanahan thinking? Legitimately, I mean, the roster's great to give them credit outside but they gave up, what they give up, three first rounders yep. for Lance? They're this good and they had a top three pick that's a mulligan. Darko he was an FCS player, and they gave up three first-rounders. That's
6: fascinating. When we return, like, love, loathe. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret, like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge, or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash strategic. That's oracle.com slash strategic. oracle.com slash strategic.
3: Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network.
4: Okay, get rewarded before you ever place a bet with the G-Bank Visa Signature Card. Unlike other credit cards that decline sports betting transactions or treat them as a cash advance, the G-Bank Visa Signature Card, easy for me to say, can load directly to your favorite sportsbook apps. You can earn 1% cash rewards on gaming and sports app loads every time and 2% on other purchases. G-Bank Visa is a card designed for gaming and sports fans everywhere and works with apps like DraftKings, BetMGM, and Caesars. To learn more, go to bsin. That's g.bank/bsin and I believe G-Bank is something that our very own Amal Shah has used in the past. Yeah, it's very
5: good, very effective. You mentioned it during the read that there's so many different places you can't utilize a Visa or MasterCard, but in this particular instance, G-Bank, uh, absolutely a great way to fund an account with Visa here. So, really good benefit for people that may be looking to utilize a Visa
4: card to fund an account. Okay, beautiful, sharp money. We welcome you back. I'm Shaham, Patrick Maher, Dustin Sweetelson. The voice is hanging in there. We've got our buddy Jensen Lewis talking baseball coming up in about 14 minutes. Although he does have two college football plays. Jensen likes to get down. We know this. Chris Dorian's going to join. Robert Turbin's going to join. So we've got a lot to do. A little impromptu Like Love Low, the game we came up with months and months ago. We're going to go with the news that C.J. Stroud is going to be your starter in Texas. He was the second quarterback for the Houston Texans, taken off the board in this past draft. So let's go. Like Love loathe. second quarterback off the board. How many drafts are we going back? We're gonna go back to oh three. It's uh
0: 20 years and when I graduated high school. Great. Let's start. Go for it, Dustin. All right, 22. I don't know why I don't remember that he was second on the uh, off the board, but you know where I stand on him. Desmond Ritter was your second quarterback taken in 2022.
4: Oh uh, wow, picket one. Like love loath. Lothe. <laughs> Me too. Yeah, probably go loathe on that one. <laughs> Oh, good. I'm not alone then. All right.
0: 2021, your second quarterback off the board was Zach Wilson by the Jets. Do you like, love, or loathe? Or TBD? Loathe. Loathe, yeah. Yeah, I also loathe. Still loathe the pick. I think it's horrible. All right. 2020, Burrow went one. That meant Tua was the second quarterback off the board in 2020. Like, love, loathe.
5: I like Tua. The health is a concern. I thought he was incredibly accurate at Alabama. Uh, Patrick, for me, it's just can he stay healthy for the long term in his career?
4: Yeah, the health is a concern. I'm like, I'm I'm bordering on love. I think I I like and don't necessarily love, but I like Tua more than most. But I'll go like. I'm with you.
0: I'm close to love, but I'm not quite there yet. So I hope I get there. I hope we get there. Like for Tua. 2019, the second quarterback off the board was Daniel Jones. Like, love, loathe. <laughs> I'm going to let you guys go first.
5: I'm not sure here for me.
0: I, I've, I, by the way, uh, at some point in his career, I have liked, loved,
4: and loathed <laughs> Daniel Jones. Yeah, I'm closer. I'm uh, he's Tua for me. I'm like, but I'm, I'm, I'm kind of on that threshold of getting over to that love point. I think he's going to be very good this year. I'll go like.
0: I like with cautious optimism that I will be buying a ring for him one day because he will earn me a ring in a Super Bowl.
4: Let's let's go
5: with like, like then.
0: <laughs> All right. Okay. Rolling back to 2018, Baker Mayfield number one. Sam Darnold was the second pick.
5: Load the pick when it was made. I thought he was vastly overrated coming out of SC. I thought he was a turnover machine. Nothing has changed. Load the pick.
0: Yeah, loathe. You know, we have like a TBD section for like people who I don't think have gotten a fair shake. We've never gone this far back. It's usually the last year or two. I still think Sam Darnold is a TBD. I think it's been malpractice
4: what has gone on with his development as a quarterback. He's got to have 50-plus starts, but you're right. The situation's never been great. Right. Kind of flipping OCs, Adam Gase. <laughs> then, <laughs> Come on. I think he started Todd Bowles. Started Todd Bowles, <laughs> then to Gase, and, and then yeah. down to Carolina. Matt Rule's coaching in Nebraska, which <laughs> isn't great for That's a quarterback to started for him. He started Go ahead, started fifty five games and
5: he's thrown fifty five picks.
0: Yeah, no, I don't. Yeah. I think he's a guy who who should have been developing in a Jordan Love type situation. He never should have been thrown at the Wolves. But I agree. Okay. Lo, Let's keep going. is fair. Twenty seventeen, the second pick was Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> Next. Okay. Next. <laughs> he is our first love, I believe. Though. Yeah, it's correct. Uh, Twenty sixteen, Jared Goff went number one, so our second pick was
4: Carson Wentz. Uh, <laughs> that's a complicated story. Yeah. Isn't it? Um I mean, it's loath now, but, the, but certainly before the injury in Los Angeles, when he was on his way to an MVP, we were on our way to love. Is he an N.A.? Do we give him an N.A.? Yeah, I think so. I, I think like, cause there were, there were highs, there were lows.
0: We cried. We Complete sang.
4: derailment due to injury. Complete yeah. derailment. Yeah,
0: that's fair. All right. In 2015, the first quarterback off the board was Jameis Winston. The second quarterback taken Marcus
5: Mariota. Uh, Loathe, even though I like Marcus yeah. Mariota personally.
4: Yeah, you guys can take – I still like him, and I still think he's a really good backup, but um, yeah, I guess we'd go loathe based on the fact that he was the second quarterback off the board.
0: Yeah, I'm going to go loathe because I think he's like Tyrod Taylor. You just can't win with him consistently. He just doesn't take enough risks.
4: Wasn't he the second overall pick? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Winston won him two, and then I think the very next year, or is it the previous year, it was Goff – and then Wentz, as you just mentioned. Yeah. So uh, quarterbacks go one, two. I mean, he did win a playoff game in Kansas City as the Titans quarterback, okay. but has turned into a loathe situation for Mariota. All right, okay, well, let's go.
0: Looking at quarterbacks, the second one in each draft class. We're now at 2014, which is a fascinating draft class where Blake Bortles went first, and your second quarterback off the board was one, Jonathan
4: Manziel. Loathe. loathe. I loathed the
0: pick yeah, when loathe. they made it. I think John Jonathan- couldn't
4: understand it at the time. Yeah. It was the most ridiculous pick of all. like just fascinating. Based Not on even the- just the player, but just the, yeah, the person based on the documentary
0: I watched. I think Johnny Manziel still doesn't understand why they took him there either. <laughs> so that's the vibe I got. All right. 2013 was another weird draft. EJ Manuel was the first quarterback at 16. The second quarterback off the board, Gino Smith.
5: Uh going to go with like because he's been decent the last couple of years. And one year. One year to be exact. Yeah, one year. Oh, technically, two years ago, he did have a quarterback rating over 100 in like three games or whatever it was. But yeah, I'll go with like. What a
4: career arc, right? So just absolute bust with the Jets. I think he's just going to end up being a career backup. And next thing you know, he's pops with Seattle and gets a big contract at 31 years old. Is he an N.A.? Like. NA? Like Maybe it's not enough. Evidence. I like him as a quarterback last you year. Do. Last year okay. he did fall off late, but last year he was awesome. All right. I'll give you that. No, I was going to go of the year. The stretch run wasn't great.
0: I was more in the loath camp, but you both like him. So we'll move on. 2012 Andrew Luck, first quarterback off the board. Your second quarterback was Robert Griffin. The uh, third.
5: Loath. Yeah. I got no problem with that. Oh,
4: see, I think he got only because only because he did it to himself. He had one of the great rookie years of all time, offensive rookie of the year. Then he told the Shanahan's, I'm a pocket That's passer. Fair. You know what? That's fair. fair. So who knows what he could have been. You're right. Now the injuries hurt him as well, but he's not a pocket passer.
0: Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. He did it to himself. Cause if they would have just ran that offense, it still would have kept defenses up all night. I agree. Uh, 2011, your first quarterback taken was cam Newton. Your second quarterback drafted Jake Locker.
5: Loathe. Oh Jake, Jake was a hell of an athlete coming out of UW. And, and yeah, great by athlete. Way, credit to him, the year before he would have been the no, or he was supposed to have
0: been the first pick. He knew once he tested, he wouldn't have been the number one pick. That's why he came back for that last year.
4: Yeah. Locker's a loathe. Yeah. I don't think there's any
0: argument there. All right. Big time bust. 2010 Sam Bradford, first quarterback. Your second quarterback off the board was Timothy Tebow. Loathe. Loathe. He should still be playing court. I'm just kidding. Uh, 2009, Matthew Stafford, number one overall to the Lions. The second quarterback off the board was Mark Sanchez. Loath, loath. I'm telling you, that's why. Now I, this. Go this ahead. No, I'm saying
4: this list is like proving why it was worth doing because this group is insane. So the reason we're doing it, CJ Stroud just announced the starter with the Houston Texans. Second quarterback off the board. Go ahead, big guy.
0: Uh, two thousand eight. Matt Ryan won. Joe Flacco two. Like, yeah, like At absolutely. Rookie year, year made play. the postseason. Two thousand seven. Jamarcus Russell was number one. Brady Quinn the second quarterback off the board. Loath, loath, no, no doubt. Uh, two thousand six. Vince Young went as the first quarterback off the board, and my, Matt Leinart was
4: next. Loath, loath. Two thousand five, Alex Smith won. By the way, another one that had an opportunity like Caleb mm-hmm. to come back and win a Heisman. It's true. Right. And he yep. voted for Reggie Bush. Yeah. Two thousand
5: five, okay, Alex Smith
0: up. was the first quarterback taken. Aaron Rodgers was second. We have our second love. Yep. <laughs> yep. We've got another love. We'll get through it. Keep going. Two thousand four Eli Manning won. Phillip Rivers was two. Love. Love. Have to. 2003, our final one, Carson Palmer, first quarterback, Byron Lefwich, second quarterback. Like. Like. Same. I liked him. He just couldn't stay healthy. All right, I'm going to add it up real quick. One, two, three, four, f- five likes. Dude. One, two, three loves. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven loaths. And one incomplete. <laughs> one incomplete once. Yeah. So basically, the second quarterback of every draft outside of Mahomes, Rodgers, and Rivers has disaster.
4: Sunk. Yeah. That is the Houston Texans fans turn away from sharp money. It's not a good omen. That is overwhelmingly disastrous if you have the second quarterback coming off the board in the draft. Good job. Good impromptu like, love, loathe idea from the big guy. When we return, we're going to get to our guy Jensen Lewis. like a little college football and Major League Baseball.
3: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network.
4: Okay, the updated NFL betting guide is going to be released this Thursday, and throughout the NFL preseason, the VSIN experts have been reevaluating every team to give you the betting edge. Our updated NFL betting guide will have picks from every on air host, team specific preseason analysis, how to use the VSIN betting splits and football contest strategies. If you want the best and most comprehensive collection of picks, predictions, and previews, now it's the time to become a VEASAN Pro subscriber for as low as $19, or you can save 50% off the monthly price with an annual subscription and BetSmarter all year long. Sign up today at VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Now, our next guest should probably, probably be a part of the on-air picks because he's part of the family here at VEASAN. He's Jensen Lewis, Sirius XM, MLB Network Radio, host of course pitch for the guardians indians seven to ten and we should start there we'll talk college football we'll talk about your vandy football team uh, of course that vaunted hawaii defense especially the run defense my goodness um but first let's start with baseball and you were talking about grasping a little bit with your guardians tonight in minnesota why don't we start there
7: yeah, Patrick, I think this is sort of that, that final countdown year, you know, last stand for the Guardians. Uh, you would have really liked to see Texas be able to pull off the extra inning win yesterday to get it down to five games as a deficit. But you come in now uh, six back, and it, to me it's the sense of urgency. you got to go out and, and be able to beat Kent Maeda, who has really pitched well against Cleveland in the entirety of his career, and then find a way, not to say this is a must sweep, you certainly have to win the series to have any heartbeat whatsoever in the division race and knowing that you'll get him again next week at progressive field. It would go a long way uh, getting a sweep, but first things first, uh, I do like them tonight on the money line. I think that they're, they're sneaky good at that value. Uh, I, I think they've just got to really be on their P's and Q's knowing that Minnesota had a really long game yesterday. It's a, a little sneaky bunny line play
5: tonight. Yeah, Curry on the bump here. Good opportunity you mentioned for the Guardians in this matchup. When you look at this American League right now, talk to me a little bit about the Texas Rangers and what's going on with this team. I mean, you talk about doing a 180 from where they were a couple of months ago.
7: Yeah, well, a little bit of a free fall, right, for this group. And, you know, they're going to end up playing the Twins again uh, when they return home. So, uh, no rest for the weary there, but. I look at their rotation overall, and it's the quality of, of starting pitching that that hasn't really been there. And what we saw for most of the first half of the season, it, feel, it felt like every turn through they were getting three, four quality starts. Now you got John Gray going on the mound tonight. It's not a good matchup, I don't think, against the Mets. Uh, even though you know New York is is playing the way that they are at this point, uh, they really have to find a way offensively to help this this pitching staff early doesn't help back in the bullpen uh, it feels like a roll chavin in safe situations not really good uh, by the numbers but also i think it's now they played so well in the first half of the season you were due for some regression i didn't think it would be this long this amount of time that they've really struggled but give credit where it's due seattle has been hard charging we talked about this guys last time i was with you that between houston and seattle you could bet on their pitching because you knew that they were bound to get a little bit more lucky if you will with those results some hard luck losses for both those clubs but man uh, if you're Texas you got to find a way to right the ship here pretty quickly
4: Jensen you've got a money line play on the Cubs and tie on tonight with Milwaukee who's been hot it's Milwaukee and Seattle that's the conversation right now four up in the central for the Brewers but you do like the Cubbies tonight
7: Yeah, and particularly at home, too, and the the way that Tyone has been throwing, really encouraged with his results. And, you know, outside of a homer in his last one, that that kind of blemished the line a little bit. I think he's really uh, been consistent. And that offense at home has really been a different animal. I mean, Cody Bellinger playing like an MVP candidate uh, and has really lifted this group, uh, not only offensively, but I think overall the mood of this group, knowing that he was going to stay uh, and, and be a part of this thing moving forward. I think that really has been a boost. So more so on the pitching matchup tonight, Miley at Wrigley Field, not exactly something I'm high on, like the Cubs to get it done tonight.
5: Jensen, I want to ask you a little bit broader question in terms of where teams are in the standing and how you'd approach it. With the Guardians in 2007, you guys won 96 games. Two years later, you guys were really struggling. You end up going 65 and 97. Tell me what the dynamic is like because I think Oakland and Kansas City are two teams people should consistently still throughout the end of the season be betting against for a team that's way out of contention, nothing really to play for aside from individual accolades and statistics. So how maybe we could use that to approach a betting standpoint against those types of teams.
7: Yeah, a lot, a lot probably more matchup based there, Amal. And and I understand where you're at, but also uh, that double-edged sword of a lot of young kids and a lot of guys with not a lot of service time are going to be playing these games. And it's really an audition for, for next year and, and trying to sew up perhaps a roster spot before you get into the offseason. Uh, you kind of mentioned those teams I was a part of. We trade CC Sabathia, the Cy Young winner from 07 and 08, turn around in 09, and trade the Cy Young winner from 2008 and Cliff Lee. And then also Victor Martinez, kind of our heart and soul of our team for the last couple of seasons at that point. So I, I get where you're coming from. I mean, specifically, if you look at kind of that Pittsburgh and Kansas City matchup tonight, I think it's a little bit better for the Royals in the aspect of, granky stuff kind of against that Pittsburgh lineup. Again, he's not going to overwhelm you. Not going to be a ton of strikeouts. But almost feels like, yet again, uh, maybe a mismatch that, that many wouldn't look at on paper. But I'll take Kansas City at home, I think, just because Oviedo a little bit more unpredictable as far as the results you could get.
4: You know, not just bettors, but sports fans. Jensen Lewis joining us here on Sharp Money. We hope to hold him over for another segment. We love talking to Jensen. We'll talk a little college football. So we can kind of stretch out with the Mariners conversation, Jensen. This is the latest into a season. The Mariners have been in sole possession of first place since 2003. But I just want to focus on, and again, they've got Oakland tonight. They're in first place in the West. We were only talking, as Amal mentioned, the Rangers and Houston and Shohei and the Angels. And they Seattle. You take a look at their schedule over the past month and a half, and it's just green W's all over the place. Can you talk about being on a team that starts to gain momentum and what it feels like in the clubhouse?
7: Yeah, it was kind of, Patrick, like we were in 07 when I came up my rookie year. Uh, it, it was a little bit um, of a feeling out there in the end of July. And once we traded for Kenny Lofton uh, at the trade deadline, it was, oh, here we go. You, you bring home a living legend. Uh, from his days, you know, in the '90s with the Indians, and we're sitting there like, okay, it's time. Let's turn this thing up and, and let's get rocking and rolling. Specifically for Seattle, and and perhaps it's something we talked about earlier, guys. Seattle was leading the world in strikeouts. They just weren't putting a ton of balls in play. The pitching has been fine. I mean, the rotation has been really good. Back into the bullpen, I mean, they felt confident enough. And credit to Jerry Depoto, you're going to trade Paul Seawald, who was really solid for them and still be okay with Munoz with Matt Brash with Topa. I mean, they've been basically unstoppable as far as a pitching staff, the entirety of the season, they just needed to find a way to get some more balls in play and not strike out as much that is coincided. And this is why you're seeing this really incredible run. I'm telling you, if they win the division, it'll be one of the great rebound stories uh, in in this year's kind of narrative. But even if they are in that wild card game uh, or wild card series, no one's lining up to face Gilbert and Castillo and George Kirby. I mean, forget it. Like if you're, if you've got that matchup, even in a division series, they're so deep from a pitching standpoint, it it wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if people wanted to kind of roll over series bets. As far as the playoffs go, they'll probably be a dog going in if they don't win the division, but man alive, what a team to hit your wagon to. They'll be pretty good.
5: Yeah, Jensen, you mentioned it last month when you were on. You like Seattle. They were a 30-1 to, to, I think, win the, the whole thing. And this is a team that's playing extremely well, a team that is continuing to play well. I thought they might drop off, but they have not, and give Patrick credit because he called this back in early uh, April. The Baltimore Orioles, this team's been on fire. They do put Bautista on the injured list. Uh, tell me a little bit from your perspective as a former reliever, how much of an impact Bautista with his 33 saves being out has for the Orioles?
7: It's just massive, all. I mean, knowing the dynamic of the back end of a bullpen, uh, you build from your closer and and back from there. And because of what he's been and, and the other dominance, I mean, guys, we were talking about him as a possible Cy Young candidate uh, before he had uh, a couple of rough outings in a row. But it's it's about you know upsetting the apple cart at this point because everyone has been really locked into their specific roles. So if it is in your canoe, that has to move from the eighth inning to the ninth inning, not a bad backup option, but it's not Bautista and it's, and it's the way that Bautista has pitched this year and how it's affected the rest of the bullpen in the club as an entirety.
4: Another play for you tonight, Jensen Miller at home with the Dodgers. Here comes gallon and the snakes. You're going to lay a dollar 42 with the Dodgers.
7: Uh getting this lineup at home. And uh just saw Bobby Miller pitch against the guardians here in Cleveland. What an electric, young star he's going to be. I mean, this is some wipeout stuff Uh, surprised. He doesn't have a ton more strikeout numbers, but that might end up coming here as he starts to get really comfortable with the league. Yeah. A gallon has been on fire at this point, but I'll take, I'll take bets and Freeman the way that they're swinging the bats right now. And that knowing that you've got a guy that that has really been able to pitch well at home. I like the Dodgers at a much shorter price than what you'd usually get.
4: Okay. Jensen, you want to hang out and come back, talk a little college football.
7: Sure thing. We got we to gotta make sure that my Vandy boys are on point with Alabama A&M this week.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yes, I totally agree. Jensen Lewis is the best. Series XM, Major League Baseball Network Radio, of course. Bally's there in Cleveland as well. At JLU50, he continues with us next here. Sharp Money. It's Vsin, the Sports Betting Network.
3: This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on v the Sports Betting Network.
4: Okay, NFL season right around the corner. Non-stop football action is in sight. You can get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Right now, new customers can bet just $5 and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Ain't that the truth? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app before kickoff. Use the code SHARP to get $200 in bonus bets instantly when you bet just $5 on any NFL bet. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with the code SHARP. The crown is yours. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance, eligibility, and deposit restrictions apply. Okay, we got you back. Of course, I'm all Shaw. I'm Patrick Maher. Dustin Sweetelson holding it down there in Vegas with all, And we're joined by our buddy, and a teammate here at Vison. Let's be honest, Jensen Lewis, SiriusXM MLB Network radio host at Jlu50 on Twitter. His Guardians in Minnesota tonight. Bally's pre and post. Um, let me just ask you before we move on to the college football. If there is inevitably a showdown with the Braves and Dodgers, you've got an 84-win Braves team, an 80-win Dodgers team. I mean, it's just two just tremendous teams. And again, remember, the Dodgers, this was supposed to be a little bit of a take a step back. They lost their shortstop, retool, kind of – Try to be fiscally responsible, Jensen. And here they are sitting 80 and 49. But the Braves have been kind of that team. After Tampa's initial hot start, the Braves have been that team all year. Yeah, Patrick,
7: a fascinating dynamic here in the National League. And I think all of us uh, that, that had played the game were looking at that National League West. And, and of course, what San Diego had done yet again in the offseason, bringing in Xander Bogarts. You knew that Fernando Tatis Jr. was going to come back. It was the narrative of, if not now, when, because this on paper right. looked like the Dodgers would be the most vulnerable that they've been. And, that, and that's no knock against Dave Roberts and that crew. But you know, you, you talk talked about losing, Gavin Lux, uh, not only Justin Turner and Cody Bellinger via free agency, but you know, what was the closing situation going to be like, who did you have in the rotation with Walker Bueller, not going to be able to be back until maybe September. Uh, and then inevitably Clayton Kershaw is getting up there as far as age and you know the injury issues of the past. So the reliability factor was probably out the window uh, for a team that had won the division as many years in a row as they have. But it's a credit to the group that JD Martinez comes in as a stabilizing force. Max Muncy kind of back to the guy with the the power stroke that we've seen in the years past. And then when you got Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman swinging the bat like they are, guys, uh, <laughs> I mean it's 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 hard to see. You know how teams are going to be able to navigate that lineup, especially in postseason baseball. Now, that being said, on the Atlanta side, uh, also really intrigued to see from their rotation aspect, you know, Spencer Strider kind of dipped there a little bit and then found his way back to dominance. You know, what do you have with Max Freed coming in in a postseason scenario? You feel pretty good about it, what he's done in the past. Is Charlie Morton a guy that's going to be effective for you? You know, where do they go uh, as far as that number three starter is concerned? A bevy of options. And we know what the is capable of. So sign me up right now if the NLCS is Braves and Dodgers. I don't think anyone would be disappointed with that.
5: Yeah, I would agree with you. Two teams that have a great shot to win the World Series. Guys, let's talk about another team that's got a great chance for a championship if the other 13 teams left the SEC. And that's Vanderbilt football. The Commodores with a <laughs> win against uh, Hawaii the other day. Doing a great job getting the win, but this defense still has some work to be done. Just take me through. You had great success in baseball, you played for the Commodores. Why is the baseball program so successful? Same academic requirements, but the football program just can never seem to get on par with what basketball has done or even baseball has been able to accomplish.
7: Yeah, I'm all, I think they're they're certainly trending in the right direction, and Clark Lee is uh, probably the the one guy outside of I, I think we almost had it before when James Franklin uh, was there, and that was really the first time where you felt, whoa, we're we're acting like you know a big time football program, we're we're doing things like a big time football program. It's just the athletes, and you guys know uh, now in our our day and age of NIL uh, and and what the the Bamas and the Georges and the LSU's can offer. Uh, it's still going to be a challenge, but I think now where Nashville is as a city and and, and knowing that they are investing, as you guys saw at the Hawaii game, we still don't even have our, our stadium renovated yet. You know, we don't even have a scoreboard that can stand on its own, but I think they're trending in the right direction of all. I think they're starting to get some of those recruiting classes where they can turn the corner. And as you guys know, it's about winning. Uh, if you show you can win in the SEC, kids are going to want to come play. Not everybody can play for Alabama and Georgia. So uh, hopefully they they uh, they get across kind of that threshold of being a legitimate SEC contender as far as winning those games week in and week out.
4: Shouldn't Nashville be in like the new Austin? Be like because <laughs> you're right next to downtown, right? Isn't Vandy's campus like essentially right there? Yeah,
7: back when uh, we used to ride in cabs, guys, uh, when you actually had to call a cab. Uh, I know I'm dating myself there, but. Yeah. You, you would literally come out of the dorms and it might've been an eight minute ride, you know, right down Broadway into downtown Nashville. Uh, they've built it up so much from there. I remember going back for new year's Eve a couple of years ago. And at the time I'm looking around, like, I remember that. I don't remember that. That wasn't here. Right. So it's become this metropolis and guys uh, going back to the MLB discussion. Nashville is going to be a front runner when expansion comes around here. And they they legitimately have as good a chance as any potential city, because as you guys see, the predators rock and roll down there, the Titans are getting a new stadium. Of course, what Vanderbilt baseball has done is really put Nashville on the mat from a college standpoint, but man alive, there's no better spot. I think in my opinion, for a place that will support it, will love it. And you're going to get guys that want to go play in that atmosphere
5: and it's a great point. I think the city will do extremely well. We've seen you mentioned this support at Bridgestone for the Preds as well. Jensen, I know you got a couple of plays on tap for this weekend. Kind of take us through who you like on uh, whether it be Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or even Monday.
7: Yeah, Thursday of all uh, two that kind of stick out for me. Uh, we'll start with Nebraska and Minnesota anxious to see what Matt rule can do uh, taking over for that program anxious to see what Jeff Sims can do coming in as a junior transfer. I think that that low of a total, I know row the boat is going to be ready and rocking, but I think that Nebraska, you get what, plus seven, seven and a half in some places, love getting the touchdown there. I think they'll be energized, have a sense of urgency, uh, knowing that they want to do uh, really well for Matt Rule uh, getting out there in the opener. And then I think also maybe one that flies under the radar, uh, NC State and UConn. Uh, I think last year, NC State never covered uh, nine, eight or nine games in which the total uh, was 53 or less. And I think that's going to play well right into UConn's hands going on the road, sneaky little spot right there. I think you guys have that 15 uh, plus 15 right there. Love the Huskies as the dog right there.
4: Beautiful. And yes, you can get the hook with Nebraska in Minnesota coming up on Thursday. So make sure you get that hook at seven Jensen. And by the way, boys, Nashville SC, the soccer team, they just went absolutely nuts when Messi came to town. So obviously, that <laughs> city can hold a soccer team as well. Very vast, diverse, awesome. Um, before we leave, we just got about two minutes here. Biggest disappointment in Major League Baseball this year? You've got your choices, Jensen. You've got the two New York teams, you've got the White Sox, who are sitting 52 and 70, 79. My goodness. Um, also, you have San Diego, who's nine games under 500 when the expectations were off the charts for the Padres, the Friars, uh, biggest disappointment, or you can say disappointments plural.
7: Yeah, it's a tie for me, Patrick, it's the Mets and the Padres, uh, Mets with the, the highest payroll ever in the sport. Uh, and they're not even going to be within striking distance of any playoff position. Same goes with the Padres. Uh, I, I think they should have sold. I think they should have treated. Juan Soto at the deadline, uh, I, I think they really needed a little bit of a shock to the system there. Something is really wrong chemistry-wise with that group. There is no way you have that amount of talent and can't find a way to get across the finish line, at least into a wild-card spot, if not contending for a division title. So those are my two uh, far and away. I, I never was on board with the Yankees once the the, the rotation injuries really started to mount. Uh, Rodon at the beginning of the year, of course, Frankie Montas, Nestor Cortez being banged up. Uh, this is going to be such a crazy finish for the Yankees because they're going to be so far out of a playoff spot. And Cole Cole's probably going to win the Cy Young. It it is so crazy to look at their year overall. And of course, missing Aaron judge for a couple of months never helps. I just never bought into them, even if their rotation had been healthy from the get-go, but I'll go with the Mets and the Padres tied for my biggest disappointments.
4: Totally agree with Juan Soto. Every at-bat, by the way, every Soto at-bats longer than Oppenheimer. I mean, Like, literally, <laughs> isn't he supposed to stay in the box? He dances. He's adjusting. It's, and we understand he's a patient hitter. But my goodness, you're hitting that three-hour mark with Juan Soto. Jensen, you're the best. Sirius XM, Major League Baseball, Network, Radio, of course, uh, the pre and post with Bally Sports in Cleveland. And we'll talk to you throughout the football season as well. Thank you, Jensen
7: you got it guys. We'll talk very soon. And uh, Hey, come on, Commodores, at least cover against Alabama and that this should be a walk in the park. They should be able to take care of it. No problem.
4: <laughs> Let's get that run game going at J 50 <laughs> on Twitter. Jensen Lewis. All right. There goes our buddy Jensen who always does a great job. And I did see Oppenheimer Amal yesterday. It was three hours. It was worth it. I, I'll just say, I, did, I haven't, I've yet to see Barbie. However, the Barbie Oppenheimer double, double header. You should check out Oppenheimer, but do you agree? Juan Soto does feel like it takes. It's an ice age. Every time he's up at bat.
5: No, more. Garcia Parra thinks he takes a long time. Did you see Oppenheimer's <laughs> that's, that's, prequel? It's called
4: Pearl Harbor. What's that? <laughs> We're back. Chris Doring.